Hey, everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes is a Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today I'm joined by Courtney Hale. Who's that? I'm so glad you asked. Courtney Hale is the chief hope dealer of Super Money Kids, a social enterprise that designs experiences to improve the financial literacy of youth. Courtney has received several awards and recognitions, including being featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show. That's pretty amazing. He was on the Ellen show. Courtney and his team are pumped about their upcoming holiday bank drive. The purpose of the bank drive is to raise awareness to the importance of youth financial literacy by donating 5,000. They're going to donate 5,000 of their super money banks to young people across the country. I can't wait for you to hear this episode with Courtney. But first, today's episode is brought to you by me. If you want to accomplish more goals next year, you should use the calendar that I've been using for the last 11 years. It's called the Finish Calendar, and I love it for seven very specific reasons. Number one, the Finish Calendar is big and beautiful. It's 36 inches tall by 25 inches wide. This thing is massive. It gives you enough space to actually plan things each day. Number two reason that I love it, Finish Calendar is reversible. You've got a vertical side and a wide orientation side. That's like two calendars for the price of one. Me, myself, I prefer vertical. But I also like that it comes in two versions, traditional paper and dry erase. Number three reason I love it, it makes time real. When someone says, hey, John, can you do that project in the next six weeks? That time feels fictional to me. Six weeks from now, I can't even wrap my head around what will be going on then. I need to be able to see the whole year, not just talk about it. Number four reason I love it, it's a Monday-focused calendar, which means each week starts with Monday. A lot of calendars start the week with Sunday, but that's not how my head works. Monday is the first day of the week to me, and Sunday is the last. For example, I don't know anyone who plans their new week on Saturday night because Sunday is the first day of the week. Number five reason I love it, studies show that planning when and where that you're going to work on your goals doubles the chances you'll achieve them. Doubles it. That's amazing. This calendar makes that easier. Number six, the finished calendar has 12 encouraging statements on it that I wrote to help slingshot you into a great month of dreaming and doing. And last but not least, reason number seven, it's not expensive. It costs less than $30. That's eight cents a day. Name another productivity tool that you'll use every day for an entire year, and it only costs you eight cents. Over the last 11 years, no tool has helped me keep commitments and finish goals like this wall calendar. It truly has become a critical part of my creative process, and I can't recommend it highly enough. We don't print a ton of these because I don't have some massive warehouse stacked to the ceiling with tubes of calendars. So if you want one, visit finishcalendar.com, and we'll link it in the show notes too. They also make an amazing Christmas or Hanukkah gift for that person in your life that you want to encourage. It comes in a tube, which, by the way, who doesn't like to open a tube? Tubes are way more exciting than boxes. That's just science. You're going to blow somebody's mind. Visit finishcalendar.com today to grab one. All right. With no further ado, here's my conversation. Here's my interview, if you will, with Courtney Hale. Courtney, I'm so excited that you're sitting down with me today. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You and I have known each other for a few years at this point. 
but we just got to do um, a kind of Shark Tank experience together a few weeks ago uh, with my brother, which was a lot of fun. Man, I um, I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to the conversation. This is definitely going to be the most fun I'm going to have this week. Um, second only to this seventh birthday party that we have coming up this Saturday. Oh, so that's for your daughter, I'm assuming? It'd be weird if it's yeah. just some random kid. Okay, it's your daughter. <laughs> that, makes, that makes more sense um, that you would be celebrating her than like somebody somebody down the street. Um, I was a the host of kind of a entrepreneurial Shark Tank pitch contest. You were one of the judges. When you're looking for a good idea for somebody to develop, you're an entrepreneur, you've got an entrepreneur mindset, um, what are, what are things that, okay, let's imagine I'm listening to this podcast. I've got a business goal, a side hustle I want to do. What are some of the things that you think makes a side hustle successful? You know, I think there are a few things. One thing that makes an idea successful is its potential sustainability and the magnitude of the need that it is satisfying. You know, there, there are a lot of great ideas out there. There are a lot of really, really, really smart people. But it's really important that you're addressing something that's a huge pain point for the market that you're looking to serve. And I, you know, that, that's the biggest thing for me. Um, after that, it becomes the sustainability of that. You know, what does the team look like? You, you know, um, um, you know, how is it funded? Um, you know, those type of things. But I think the, the most important part is addressing a painful, painful need. Now, is that is that part of how you got into what you're doing now? I would say there's not a lot of young men your age. I mean, you're under 40. Um, congrats on the 40 under 40 list, National Business Journal. That's amazing. But how did you identify financial literacy for, for kids as one, a pain point, but two, is something that you said, you know what, I'm going to step into those trenches. I'm going to step into that conversation. So I'm going to answer that. But first, let me add, let me say that I am the most accidental entrepreneur that there is. I, I may be the most least qualified person to answer some of these okay. questions. All right. Because my path to entrepreneurship looks a lot different than most people. For me, I saw a major pain point that everybody was suffering from and nobody was addressing. But I didn't look at it from a business perspective. I really looked at it from a let's do right by the community. Let's do right by our children to build a better future. And to be perfectly honest, it took me some years before I actually built a company that had sustainability right, that I could actually make a living from. When we first started, you know, at the time, we, you know, were primarily recognized by Knowledge Bank, which is um, our, our nonprofit organization. We started summer programs. And all we did was work with young people during the summer, teaching them everything that I knew about money in about 10 weeks. The very first summer, we had five kids. I never had any intention on doing that full time. But, you know, the Nashville community is really small. Word spreads fast. And by the second summer, we uh, there was a large nonprofit that reached out. I was like, hey, we believe financial literacy is really important. Can you help us incorporate financial literacy into what we're doing with with our summer program? And I was like, sure. And it was the first time I got a check with a comma in it for this work. And then that's kind of like when the light went on. I was like, OK, this is, yeah. this worked out OK. 
you know? And yeah. so we played around with some different things. You know, some of our early time, we we would, you know, recruit a network of volunteers to lead the workshops. That was great. You know, we had a really large partnership with the city of Nashville where we worked with like 500 kids every summer. And we'd have people from all type of corporations to work with us. And, and that was awesome. And then those chicks got bigger. But the thing that I was thinking about was this is a problem that young people are experiencing all over the country. Now, what I do know is inefficient is me trying to recruit volunteers all over the country to teach this program. And that was the point when we started exploring how to use technology to make a more engaging experience for the work that we were doing. So you went from, tell us a little bit about the path. One summer, it's five kids. What's the next summer? Yeah, the next summer, it's 30. And at that point, we really kind of just reached a cap on, you know, how many kids we could allow in that program. And so around that same time, we were contacted by um, this large nonprofit. And so then that allowed us to do our programming beyond just the summer. We were able to do some things in the fall and spring semesters. And I'm still working a full-time job at at this time. Um, The next year, we added another nonprofit partner. We continued our summer program. Um, And so at that point, we had a couple big um, partners. And then we got the contract with the city. And that was really kind of like a point to where our growth really escalated. There's people listening to this that'll go, okay, I'd love to do something on the side. I've got a passion. I've got an interest, but I'm too busy. And and you just said, hey, P.S., I had a full-time job. I was doing, you know, and, and you kind of casually went across with like, I was teaching five kids 10 weeks of financial literacy. That's not like you wrote something down on a napkin and they were like, okay, we're going to do this for 10 weeks. There was a lot of moving pieces. Where were you finding the time in your life to do all these things on the side of a day job? Because I think there's a lot of people that have a day job that might not know where to look for that time. All right. So I, I really don't want to be this guy, I, but I'm, I'm going to answer the question but I don't want to. I don't want to be this guy. So what I did was I would get off work, and then I would work on knowledge bank. I'd be dad. Um, I would be husband. And there were times where I may not have been the best at either one of those because I was nurturing this passion of mine. But I'd get off work. I'd I'd work on um, knowledge bank work. I'd work on the weekends. We'd host workshops on the weekends. There were times where I, I would try to incorporate my wife and in, in helping me prepare that. Because let's be honest, I mean, anybody that's an entrepreneur and you have a mate, um, that mate is involved in the company. OK, <laughs> yeah, and, that's and, happening. That's happening. That, that's definitely happening. And so um, I worked long hours now. I do not, like I said, I do not want to be the guy that's like, hey, if you have a, you know, you have a side hustle, something that you want to be super successful, you're just going to have to work 8 a.m. to 2 in the morning. And that's just what it is. I don't think that that has to be the case. There there was a lot of work that I was doing early on that was just purely inefficient. And I wasn't aware of the variety of resources that you could access 
to just get help and build a virtual team. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say, you know, brands or different things that I can use. I don't know who, sure. you know, if there are sponsors or whatever, but you know, there are, there are platforms out there where you can hire somebody to do anything. And um, unless you have some, you know, new proprietary technology or process for doing something, more than likely what you're starting, you're making it better or faster, more efficient, more relatable. And you can learn from the things that exist before you. We don't have any sponsors whose toes you'd step on. So if you're like, hey, here's the toolkit that helps me, by all means, say like, hey, here's the tools that help. Yeah. Fiverr, Upwork, Canva, Calendly. HubSpot, you know, though these are all resources that make it really, really easy. Not easy, make it efficient. That's what I'm talking about, efficiency. Yeah. These are resources. And affordable. And efficient affordable. and affordable. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so early on, I, I, I wasn't aware of those things. And so I was just working way too hard, way too inefficiently. Uh, today, I'm telling people, these are the things that you need to use and you need to build a team as early as possible. Describe your team a little bit. Who's on, who's on the team, the Knowledge Bank team? So there are about 15 of us that work in different uh, capacities from curriculum development, creative, digital marketing, virtual assistants. Uh, we have a, like a business development representative that does a lot of like outreach via LinkedIn um, I'm for, I know I'm forgetting some people and somebody's going to, their feelings are going to be hurt and I'm going to have to buy lunch or something. But, well, no, but you didn't mention names. You didn't mention any names. These are just positions. Yeah. These, these, positions. these are like the, yeah. the positions. I think this the, isn't like the Grammys. <laughs> right. Like, oh no, I'm going to forget somebody. Yeah, exactly. Just be like, and all the, all the other people you can say that. The, the things that are most important for me, I think, and for me now, for me, that would have been most important starting out early on for somebody who's listened to this that has that side hustle. Having a virtual assistant to, you know, manage email, check calendars, and, and maybe have some additional skills where maybe they can manage like Trello, which is like a project management platform. That's hugely helpful. Um, and then somebody who can manage email marketing. And I think that that's a good starting point. That's its own thing. You've you've given a, a bunch of tools, a bunch of a bunch of positions. I'm curious, what's a eureka moment, or what's a story that when you think about the impact of financial literacy on kids, you're like, oh, this is when they get it, or this is why I I love to do what I do. Like when I see a kid figure this out, or I see a kid save or invest, or whatever's the moment for you that like when you're doing the hours and it's challenging, you go, no, no, no. But that's a story that keeps me going. I actually have two. Um, the first one, several years ago, we did a young money. We did a young money's matter summit. It was like a half day of financial education for high school students in Nashville. Um, we had some amazing panelists that came and spoke that day. We had like the Slim and Huskies guys came out. Um, Love those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh Mundy sat on that panel. Uh, a few other a few other entrepreneurs and we had some breakout sessions where they got to do some engaging stuff. At the end of the conference, a kid stood up and he said, I'm really thankful for you all today because I thought that I had a cap on my life and I thought I was only supposed to do certain things because of where I come from. 
Oh, dude, come on. Nah, I mean, I, I so I'm an emotional guy. Like, I, I don't, I used yeah. to, it used to like make me uncomfortable, but like, I'm a crier, yeah. man, and I will cry yeah. in front of yeah. anybody. And I mean, the tears start coming. I was like, this is the reason why we wanted to do this, you know? Um, so that one, and I'm getting chills now, even just thinking about it. The second one was uh, during one of the summers that we were, we were doing our large financial literacy series. Uh, with the um, Nashville uh, summer interns, so Nashville has a, a huge summer internship program, and we we've been the financial literacy partner for that since the very beginning, which is about four years now. One of the things about our brand is we we have a really modern approach to teaching people, teaching kids about money, and that it's not so much about the habit. It's like oh, I need to you know do my budget every month. I need to make sure I pay my bills on time. It's not about the empty habit. It's about the thing that you can accomplish if you do those things right. And if you can stay focused on what you want the big outcome to be, the habit becomes easy. Because empty habits, we'll get tired of it and we'll quit. Like, I mean, we're just, it's just human nature. Okay. And so when we were teaching, when we teach setting financial goals, we don't allow students to just say, hey, I want to save $500. We want you to say, I want to save $500 by the winter so that I am able to buy a plane ticket to attend a technology conference because I'm interested in computer programming. All of those parts are equally as important. And so there's a year where we just had some kids set and achieve some really amazing goals. And one student, she saved $700 to uh, pay a retainer or to hire an immigration attorney for her mom because oh, man. they were going through some, they were going through some things and, and she was able to save that money to hire that immigration attorney for her mom And again, this is why we do the work. There are things that we want to be in life. There are places that we want to go, things that we want to learn. And a lot of times money is a barrier for us being able to achieve those things. Like I'm from North Nashville. I ain't grow up, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money at all. Like, you know, I I had some really interesting experiences growing up and and kind of what. I like that you use the word interesting (laughs) because that that can mean a lot of things. Like sometimes seeing a movie is interesting. Sometimes growing (laughs) up in North Nashville. Also interesting. Well, I, you know, there may be a point or somebody who may have said that it was terrible. And I was like, well, it's not terrible now because I think some of those experiences gave me what I needed to be who I am now. So I don't want to describe it that way. And I also don't want to say that it was awesome because, you know, (laughs) there's something about, you know, three crack houses being around the corner. There's something that's just not really awesome about that. Okay. Um, And so I'd say interesting. Yeah. There's no way to, there's no way to describe that as awesome. Yeah. No, 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 no way to describe it as awesome. So, so how do you go from that situation? So you're in North Nashville you end up getting an MBA, you end up on Ellen. Like, what's the path like? Are you, were you a goal-oriented kid? Were you, when you were young, when you were in high school, where you're like, hey, I'm going to set my sights in different places? Was it that somebody came alongside you and said, hey, Courtney, here's how big your world can be? What were some of the steps along the way? Because not every kid from North Nashville ends up in the same place. Uh, More do now that you're doing your work, more do now that Slim and Huskies are 
pouring into the community, like more do now that corner to corner doing what they do. But how is your journey different than, than some other kids? Um, you know, one of the things that I say that makes my journey different, that was really important for me was that I, I came from a family that just poured into me. And, you know, we may not have always had a lot of money. Um, and most of my family still doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, but we had, we had a whole lot of love, um, a wealth of love and a wealth of encouragement. And my family always told me that, you know, I was capable of doing anything. And I never lacked confidence in my ability to do something. I've had a lot of uncertainty. Like, I don't know where this is going. And I still have some, to be honest. But, you know, when when at home you receive that type of love and support, when you go out into the world, you believe you can do it. So when we started doing the financial literacy stuff and I was working a lot and I had had a really I worked in, in in corporate finance for a large healthcare company. And so I had a really demanding job. And so I was working a lot there and then doing this thing at home. I've always seemed to have like mentors or people who supported me to point me into the directions of resources like the Entrepreneur Center here. Um, you know, you know, meeting Will was a, a really helpful and, and um, you know, just having people around who, who share a passion for what you do is also helpful. And so it's just like never stopping, constantly looking for a way to improve. There's a, a, a little... I don't know, character or or cartoon I can remember seeing on Instagram is like a guy mining for a diamond and then he turns his back because he wants to quit. And then, you know, they show you the other side of where he's digging. He's like really close to the diamond, but he quit too early. And so yeah. just recognizing that, you know, this work was needed and and not giving up, just just being persistent and resourceful and always just figuring out ways to recreate the work that we were doing. And that's how we went from being recognized as the Knowledge Bank brand to Super Money Kids, becoming the brand that we're, um, you know, now most known for. We Super Money Kids has only been around for about two years. We, you know, the first summer program that I hosted was, I think it was in 2012. So I've been doing this work for a long time. But, you know, when you find something that catches fire that people want, and this is another lesson in entrepreneurship, you start doing something and people are supporting it and people love it and you've achieved sales way greater than anything you've ever done. It doesn't matter if you love everything that you've done more. You start putting resources into that thing that's popping. And when we rolled out Super Money Kids, it was like popping immediately. Like people loved it and people wanted banks. I remember having a prototype of the bank and at a coffee shop, a little kid walks by, starts throwing a fit. Um, the family comes back and they were like, what is that? Because he wants it. The kid didn't even know what it was, but he wanted it because of how it looked. And, <laughs> and that was a really early indicator for me that we were on to something. You know, for me, the steps, having people that supported me, always looking for ways to be better and do better. And, and then fully just committing to something that started doing well. So explain to people, because I think there's a lot of people that go, okay, tell me about Super Money Kids. Like, what is that? You mentioned the banks and and you got to love user feedback where the, the bank is so dope, a kid throws a fit. Like that's, you can't pay for a focus group like that. You can't, you know, like, there's not, you know, like Kellogg's cereal can't do a focus group that good. What a focus group moment that is. 
So explain to people listening, you know, what Super Money Kids does. Yes. So Super Money Kids is our brand um, that we use to introduce young people to the world of personal finance. When I say young people, I'm talking like pre-K through about eighth grade. The first use of the brand was on our bank that we designed. And so think about like in-home bank, think like a piggy bank, but there's no pig involved. Okay. Our bank has three parts. Um, There's uh, a part for saving, spending, and sharing. We call these our money habits. And the, what the bank is designed to do is not only introduce the kid to personal finance, but also build their confidence in making decisions and helping them practice managing their money. So if they get money as an allowance or because it was an incentive for performing well in school, they take that money and then they have to make a decision for how they want to allocate it in their banks. And so the bank has uh, some terms and definitions on it to support parents or adults who are going to be using the banks with the kids. So, you know, so they have the vocabulary, the words, you know, we have a really unique way that we define the money habits. And so uh, the super money bank was the first use of, of the super money kids. We developed a curriculum around the banks that we licensed to schools and youth organizations It's uh, six lessons, about 30 to 35 minutes each. It's digital. We're actually about to roll that out to families really, really soon, um, like in the next couple weeks. So we're really, really happy about that. And um, and and we're expanding that curriculum to a second module at the turn of 2022. So uh, schools, families, communities can stay engaged in the conversation around money. And so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what the brand is. How many banks are out there right now? Like how many banks are in the world right now? Oh man. Um, we are definitely around the 5,000 mark and we have another, I mean, you know, we have the, I think we're going to talk about the holiday bank drive really, really soon. Uh, in this conversation. And so that's going to be another 5,000. And who knows what we're going to be doing uh, during the holiday season. So holiday bank drive, let's jump into that. So you've got this big kind of momentous thing you guys are pulling together as a brand, as a team um, to get those banks all across the country. What's, What's the mission of that? Yeah. So the holidays are a time where we're around family and friends we are around our loved ones. We're catching up. We're, you know, loving on one another. And it creates a really unique time of the year where we can also have meaningful conversations. And one of the conversations that need to be had in our families is about money. Uh, we need to start learning from one another, learning from the mistakes as well as the successes of those that have come before us. And so what we are doing is we're donating 5,000 of our Super Money Kid banks to to schools, families, youth organizations all across the country as a tool to encourage more conversations about money and to make financial education accessible for more of our youth. You know, obviously the bank is for kids, but it just opens up a world to all types of, of conversations. You can go from talking about money, habits, save, spend, and share to finding out whether or not grandma has a, a will 
you know, um, and it doesn't take <laughs> yeah, very yeah. long. It doesn't take very long for no. that conversation to, to come about. And so that's what we're that's what we're doing. And we, we know people do turkey drives and coat drives and toy drives, you know, during this same time of year. And with our passion for financial literacy, we want to do uh, we decided to do a bank drive two years ago. And uh, we definitely had a, a much smaller goal then. And, and, and so that's increased dramatically this year. But um, our again, you know, we have a bank drive. And so we want families all over the place to talk about money. Uh, I love it. And, and speaking of family, I, I think that's one of the things that's so fascinating about getting to know you um, is the shape of your family, your individual family with it's you and your daughter you're crazy about your daughter you started by talking about the seventh birthday um and your family took a different shape over the last few years you mentioned your wife was part of the early kind of since 2012 hustling together working on things um talk about the transition of being a single dad and and what that's been like for you because i think there's a lot of single parents that listen to this podcast that might have a similar story or you know, want some encouragement to know, okay, you can be a single parent, you can work on things you care about, you can balance all these crazy pieces. But tell us a little about that, that journey for you. Yes. So, um, you know, the part of entrepreneurship that rarely gets talked about is how your personal life can impact your business. And when my daughter was born, it was obviously one of the most happiest days of my life. But in that that same week, uh, we found out that my wife had a form of heart disease. That was seven years ago. And she struggled, you know, through that for, I'm not going to say struggle, because to be, to be perfectly honest, like, I mean, she really like kicked ass um, for those seven years. She, she did some things that were just unimaginable for me and her doctor's with the severity of her heart condition. And she slayed, she was, you know, beautiful, you know, heels, you know, dressed our daughter up. Um, so I definitely don't want to say struggle, but nonetheless, she she had a heart condition and, you know, she she was called home. Her 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 work here on earth was done. And um and so she passed May 18th of of 2020. Um so a year ago, so about a year and a half ago. You know, it, it's it was really, really hard, you know, to have to tell, you know, my daughter, you, you know, that her mom wasn't wasn't coming back home. And I had a lot of thoughts at that time, as you can imagine, a lot of thoughts, a lot of emotions. And um, our, our lives are, are changed, you know, forever in that in that moment. You know, I'm, I'm really thankful for the community of friends and family that I have who stayed encouraged, who stayed um, just encouraging me, uplifting me, um, anything for work or whatever, you know, people like, you know, what can we do to, to help you out? Um, but I was thrust into this role that I never imagined myself in. And entrepreneurship is hard, uh, but being a single parent that's an entrepreneur is, is insanely difficult. I, again, I, I really think that when you're passionate about something, you can't really quit. I mean, you can, but you don't really want to. And I, I thought about doing something different. I don't know what that would have been, uh, but I, I definitely thought about it. 
I, I thought about, you know, should I go back to corporate? And, and that thought led was really short because I feel like I'm the most unemployable person that there is out there. So that that that, that idea just quickly um, went yeah. out went out the window. But I think when you're in a position to where it seems like you're struggling personally and you're unsure on how to move forward from a professional perspective, it it's even more important to surround yourself with the people who are going to pour into you. And it may not be, sometimes it may not be family and it may not be your best friend. It, it may just be that person that you see at, I, I, don't, I don't know where, at the co-working space you work in, who's just super uplifting and positive and you don't really know them well, but they always have kind words for you. It's even more important to put yourself there, you know, so that you can stay uplifted. And then you're going to be forced to start thinking more efficiently. You know, I had to start thinking about who could do some of these tasks that I was doing. What can I, you know, contract out? I also think those situations, even even for me losing my wife, I started thinking thinking about what do I need to be doing to take better care of myself. Obviously, for me, that involved going to therapy, which is something that I encourage. We all deal with a variety of things that we carry from previous generations. Maybe it's trauma from our childhood, maybe it's recent trauma. And um, I believe therapy is really important. Um, you know, meditation, whatever you do to nurture your spirit, you need to make that routine. Eat better, take better, like love on yourself more than you have before. Because without you, there's no great idea. There's there's no amazing business, right? There's no opportunity. So, uh, you know, one of the things I tell people all the time is like, you're your first investment. And so you got to take care of it. And when you experience some type of trauma, it becomes even more important. And that's what I've been doing. You know, taking better care of myself, working more efficiently, appreciating the things that have absolutely nothing to do with work because our time here is limited even when you're young and you're healthy and and you seem like you've done all the right things when you're a good person tomorrow still isn't promised and you know I I took my wife my wife had someone she my wife had a heart transplant in 2019 and was doing really, really well, had shown virtually no signs of rejection. You know, fast forward about a year, she was experiencing some back pain on a random Saturday. We were cleaning out the garage. This 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 woman who, you know, had had this heart transplant, we were cleaning out a garage. And she was like, my back hurts. I was like, all right, let's, you know, let's go get it checked out. Um, this is on a Saturday and we go to the hospital and uh, my wife passed about noon on Monday morning. So we went from having, oh, yeah, like no idea. She would, you know, she wasn't sick. She was doing great actually. Um, so, you know, tomorrow it isn't promised. And so we have to appreciate the people that we love, um, you know, give them that, you know, the attention that they need, nurture those relationships of our friends and family. Like that's the stuff that really, that matters the most. Because I think those those things fuel our creativity and our and our ambition. Totally. And 
And we always, I, I think we, most of us spend more time trying to nurture the ambition without like nurturing the things that fuel us. And um, they're both important. And so, you know, that that's kind of how we've gotten through this time is just taking care of ourselves and just loving more and loving harder. I love, I love that, that story. And I, I love that there feels, there seems to be a common thread. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, not having empty habits, like $500 doesn't mean anything. $500 save more, whatever. That's an empty habit, but so is an ambition. That's not fueled the right way. Like and a bit, you know, over-investing in the ambition and without going, okay, well, here's the fuel, here's the relationships. I, I love that. That seems to be a common theme in your life that you're really deliberate about. To that point, are there things you do every day that you're like, this is my, this is how Courtney stays in the zone. Like for me to be in the zone, like, cause some people say I got a 37 step morning routine. Other people go like, I leave the phone in the kitchen at night. Like, if I if we looked at the Courtney Hale kind of toolkit of of being you know leveling up, living a, a more high performing life, what are some of the things you you try to do on a regular basis? Maybe not every day, but on a more regular basis. Yeah, I'm super simple. Okay, I'm super simple, and I, I like to say that I'm super regular as well. Um, and that's important for me to say because I, I don't I don't know, I, I think we have these ideas of of what successful people have to look like. Um, but, but for me, I I do have a few things that are really important. Um, for me, that's eating healthy, it's meditating and, and exercising. What kind of exercise are you doing? So I, I do, I do like a lot of strength training, you know, so I, I lift weights, um, a lot, you know, there, if I'm, if I'm really in a groove, you know, I may go five times a week. Um, you know, the intensity may, may vary. And then, you know, obviously I'm a single dad. And so my daughter's schedule is really busy. And and so it it may get interrupted sometimes, but you know, the important thing is, okay, you fall out the routine, just, just get back into it. I I know know you, you, I I think maybe you, I should know this, but I think you like wrote a book about like when, about setting goals. And then when you fail and, and then just, just start over again, like, don't like quit. Cause I think the the data yeah. shows that that like people will work towards something and then they fail and then they they won't try to like start over again. It's like no, nah. they miss one day at the gym and they throw the whole thing away. Like, so they have like a ten day streak and they miss day eleven and like the whole thing screwed and then they and then they quit. So yeah, it's always I call it the day after perfect. Like you got to be ready for the day after perfect. Once perfect's over, okay, you had a you ate well for thirty days and then it's day thirty one and. You, you had like the world's largest burrito that was not healthy. Like, what do you do the day after perfect? And it is that you get back up, you do that thing again. Cause it's not, I've never had a goal go 365 days for 365. Like I've never perfectly completed a year. It's always, it's always a normal year, a regular year. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's interesting that you have those, those three things. I'm curious if you had to do a Mount Rushmore, of your favorite nonfiction books. So like a book that inspired you, a book that challenged you. Um, and you can say, you know what, John, I'm not a huge reader. I'm a listener, whatever. Um, but as you think through, you know, you also have your MBA. So I know you read a lot. Like, it's not like, I never want to ask that question. And somebody goes, I hate books. Cause that would, 
But if somebody who's accomplishing the things you're accomplishing and pouring into the community the way you are, you're reading, what would you put on your Mount Rushmore? Um, Malcolm Gladwell. I, I really like Malcolm Gladwell. I could just say all Malcolm Gladwell books. Um, but sure. I would I would go the David and Goliath um, book. And then I also really like Outliers. Those are two good ones. You can have just two gigantic. No, no. I, there's um, there's another one that I really like. I think it's the the four spiritual laws of prosperity. Is one that I I really really like. Um, the richest man in Babylon is is oh yeah that one's super successful. is another one. Um, that that would probably be my my Mount Rushmore. We're gonna we're gonna like stop recording and I'm gonna look back at my phone and like oh I should have told him. You know, I know, dude. As soon as we hang up, you're gonna have like 50 books that you just that's why I have all these books behind me. You can't see it, but like I can just turn my head and and I look extra smart and I can just (laughs) read books off the shelf. Because otherwise, you're like, as soon as somebody asks that question, it's so easy for us to go, uh, I just, you know, the Bible, the the (laughs) New Testament, (laughs) the other, like Joel, the book of Joel, like just freeze up. So I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just always curious because I think a lot of the people who, if you're going to listen to a podcast about goals, more than likely you're someone who's like, okay, I'm going to read a book. I'm going to do that. So two last questions. Um, One, I would be amiss if I didn't ask about being on the Ellen show. So how does that happen? What is that like? I saw the photo of you sitting there with your daughter and Twitch. Twitch was guest hosting. But what was that? How do you find out you're going to be on it? Is it like they text you like Walk us through that experience, because that's an experience for as much as you say, say you're regular, you're still on the Ellen show. That's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty unexpected. Um, so completely unexpected situation. I am, um, I, I think at the time, I'm in Austin, Texas, actually. I'm not even home. I'm in, I'm in Austin, Texas, and um, I'm, I'm doing some, uh, some, some, what am I, what am I doing? I, I think I'm just in Austin, just hanging out, actually. I don't think I was there for work or anything. So it's a weekend of fun or a, a week of fun. I get a a DM, uh, Instagram, direct message. Um, and it says something about, hey, like, you know, reason I see if you're interested in Ellen. And you, you get a bunch of spam on Instagram. And I was just like, what is this? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't take it seriously. Got another DM um, to... So I got one DM to the Super Money Kids page. I got another DM that came to my personal page. And I had another DM that went to my daughter. My daughter's name is Ever. Um, and they went to my daughter's Instagram page. And I was like, now that doesn't happen. Okay, so let me stop what I'm doing. Let me read this a little bit further. And some of the producers from the show reached out. They had saw some videos that my daughter and I had did around the banks and teaching kids about money. They thought it was super awesome. A lot of the work that we do is in, um, you know, most of the kids that we serve are, you know, probably 95% of them come from communities of color. And so we put a, a, a huge emphasis on that work. And so they wanted us to be on their Juneteenth show. So, um, so Juneteenth is a, is a holiday that is 
is basically about it was it was post emancipation proclamation, but there were still um, you know people who were enslaved in Texas, and it was when the message that they had been freed um, actually reached like Galveston, Texas, and so it's it's a it's a holiday that's recognized. Ellen did a Juneteenth show. The work that we did aligns with a lot of the values of the holiday. So they asked us to be on that show. But when they reached out, it was a really fast turnaround. So they're like, hey, we want to talk to you and your daughter. And so this gets a little tricky because I'm in Texas at the time. She's in Nashville with her grandparents. And then they wanted to talk that night. You know, so it wasn't like, hey, you know, can we set up something a couple of weeks? They wanted to talk that night. So I immediately. Wait, did they want you to go to L.A. that night or phone? This is just when you say this is like a pre-screening. So they're still trying to decide if we're like, you know, if you're weird. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so um, this is the weird test. So this is like the interview. And so I call home and I, you know, I tell, you know, my mother-in-law, like, hey, get ever ready, like in a few hours. Uh, some people from, you know, Ellen, they, they 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 think they may want to have us on the show. So then there's like this awkward pause because my mother like, Ellen, like, I'm like, yeah, we can talk about that part later. This is get ever ready yeah. so we can do this. And so we did that. Yeah. We did the interview. It went great. You know, my daughter's a big personality. She's a, a really happy kid. And so she was super fun. And at the end of that, um, you know, the producers are getting ready to get off of the call. And Ever's like, so... Did I do good enough to get on the show or what? So she like really puts them on <laughs> the spot. That? Yeah, she like, did I do good <laughs> enough to get on the show or what? And so, you know, it was super awkward uh, for them. And they said, you know, they and they were, man, it was so sweet. They were like, Ever, you're fantastic. And I want you to know that in everything that you do, you know, but we have to figure out, you know, if it's going to be a fit. So this isn't a guarantee. We have to figure out how to make it work. So it was fine. Um, about two weeks goes by. I kind of like forgot about it. Things were like so crazy. Two weeks goes by. They call and they're like, hey, we wanted to do another call with our producer. Are you available? Like, you know, immediately again. Right. And I was like, yeah, of course we are. So we do that again to talk to another producer. And then they're like, hey, we want you guys to come out and record for the show. And we want y'all to our initial idea was that it was going to be virtual. And and so that's kind of what we were expecting. But on that second call, they're like, hey, we actually want to fly you guys out to L.A. And we want to fly you all out in a day and a half. Like, can you come? And so, you know, I am like, this is really exciting. But I'm also still it, it was a crazy week of work that week. And, you know, having ever and now this already crazy week involves going to L.A. to be on the Ellen show. There's so much pressure that came with that. Um, and, and literally a day and a half later, we fly out to LA ever super excited. And she's like Miss Hollywood and she's prancing through the airport. I'm nervous. My heart is beating. You know, I have to do like, I'm, I'm in LA with no resources and I have to do this little girl's hair and nobody understands the pressure that comes with having to do the, uh, for a dad. Nobody understands the pressure of a dad having to do his daughter's hair to go on national television. That is pressure that is unmatched, okay? Because if she goes out here looking crazy, nobody in my family is going to ever let me forget it. Nobody's ever going to trust me with anything (laughs) again. Um, It doesn't... Wait, so the grandmother had called you and said, I saw the Ellen episode today. What were you thinking? But that's what was at risk. 
Okay, that's what was at risk. And that's the pressure that I'm feeling at the time. And it it all ended up working out perfectly. You know, there were some kind of like behind the scenes things that happened, ever needed to change clothes at the last minute. I didn't like something that she had on. Like she had already been like mic'd up to go out on the stage and then I abruptly like change her clothes. Um, It was like drama all the way up to like going on the stage and then everything just kind of um I love it. just kind of smoothed itself out. You didn't think about doing a hat? You couldn't go with like just a big hat on like she wasn't gonna feel like I would have been cool with doing just doing a hat. Let's just cover this thing up and just make it easy <laughs> for everybody. But there's something about But she didn't want to yeah. some of hats in TV and it doesn't work well. Like <laughs> so funny. You're right though. Like I can't I can't imagine that. I mean I, I can't I can't do my kids' hair. I have two daughters. They're older now, but I couldn't have. They would they would look homeless if I ever did their hair. Like, there's no, there's there wouldn't even be a question. That's so funny. Okay, so uh, last question: If somebody's listening to this and they go, "Oh wow, we're a school, we're an organization, we're a nonprofit, we're a corporation," if somebody wants to get involved with the work you're doing, what's the next step for them? How do they follow up with you? Where do they go? What's the you know? How do people find out more about you and uh, what you guys do? Yeah, you could definitely please visit our website at supermoneykids.co, supermoneykids.co. Um, and and please, if, if you're a corporation or a school that's interested in adding our program, email me directly. My email is chale at knowledgebank.money. That's C-H-A-L-E at knowledgebank.money. I love it. I love it. Courtney, this has been a blast. Um, you mentioned my brother, Will, um, in, the, in the middle of the interview, who also lives in Nashville. You guys have known each other even longer. It was kind of you to say off camera that I'm way funnier than him. That was unexpected. <laughs> I appreciate that. I received that. You talk about words of encouragement. That's that's so nice of you to say. Um, we actually call him Pirate John because he has like a kind of a mustache and a goatee. So we look a lot alike, except he's like the pirate version of me. I'm kind of like... Or I'm corporate You're, will. I can't. I don't know which is. That's which. it. That's He's exactly either pirate it. John yeah. or I'm. I'm corporate will. Like I wear more belts. That's <laughs> the main difference. Um, is that I wear more belts. So this has been a blast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Courtney. Hey, thanks for having me again. I had a blast. Thanks for listening to my interview with Courtney Hale today. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. When your podcast is new-ish, it's new-ish, like mine, the reviews are super important. So please make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever is the phrase you're using these days that means check in with the podcast and thank you for writing reviews. Last but not least, big thank you once again to our sponsor, which was, was me and that awesome calendar. If you want a finished calendar, visit finishcalendar.com. I'll see you next Monday. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.